Oh crap, I forgot what I was <laughs> What? You gotta edit that part out. Where you said crap? Okay. So were you out here for the celebrator thing? Uh, yeah, I was down here for the big the 20th anniversary bash. Lovely. Do we want this adjusted? You, you want it just like right in your face like yeah. this. Okay. I learned all about, uh, I just studied all that. You did? Yes. Where's the notes for this? I thought I printed this. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm happy to cover whatever you want to cover. All right. And uh, I, I want to cover some uh, recommended readings, too, for the students out there. Nice. Well, you know, uh, on this show, people actually do read the read books. <laughs> <laughs> no, on this other show that I, I help produce, that I help work on, um, the guy who's the host doesn't read. Really? He hasn't read in 15 years. Wow. Does he have, like, an implant? No, he doesn't read. I think he's just lethargic that way. <laughs> he's intellectually lethargic. Okay, well, there's a few people that know who I'm talking about. I could guess. <laughs> you could guess. Don't Every, you can. And everyone's yelling it out right now. Yeah, well. <laughs> Don't you guys have, like, a little sound bumper with the classroom and the bell and everything, oh, yeah, and, that, and then we start? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's added in. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the magic so, of I'm sorry podcast. to have ruined, everyone ruined going, <laughs> Where are all the children in the bell? I've ruined the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> there's, lots, there's lots and lots of illusions on this show. We'll, we'll just start with the, the first illusion. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beers come... Halfway around the world just to get to you, and others are right down the street. Well, I flipped that around. Um, learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and... Oh, he's thinking. All the vertical lengths. The vertical net. I don't know. I'm no. confused. We're in a new room. I know. Yeah. and the, Well, anyway. And there's no Yoda poster. And there's no Yoda poster. <laughs> and there's no evil magic poster that's over on the other wall. And yeah. I can't see the blinky lights. And I don't know if the levels are right. And I'm really bugged. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the be- still, but I do know this. The best part about beer school is... The homework. The homework <laughs> is beer. And if that's not a reason to listen and participate and go to Belgium, I don't know what is. Yes. So uh, we have a guest distinguished from Michigan. <laughs> distinguished from... We have somebody who came here from a long way away. <laughs> yeah. Just somebody we grabbed at the bar. And said, as far as the California Highway Patrol is concerned, Michigan. <laughs> Michigan, exactly. And I was like, what's the number? Where's the area code 231? That is Michigan. That is Michigan. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what 231 is. No, it's Dyslexic LA. <laughs> it's, dyslexic. it's Dyslexic Downtown LA. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from the 213. Well, actually, the so funny about dyslexia is that when I typed in the phone number to call Stu yesterday... I dialed it wrong. I dial. I flipped it like I was dialing yeah. dialing the lower area, and this guy answers the phone like, "What?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't think you're the guy I'm talking to." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "Sorry." <laughs> now, do you actually have dyslexia, or you just say it jokingly? I say it jokingly. We're just making fun but, of you. Yeah, no, but what happened was that I saw the number, and I know that I, when I typed it in, I flipped it around to a number that I would have normally dialed. Right. Right. Brain magic. Reminds me of the old joke about uh, the uh, the dyslexics who went to the uh, Elvis concert and started shouting, Levi's, Levi's, <laughs> Levi's. 
oh, there's going to be many of those. Because <laughs> not only is the man talented and knows all about Belgium-style beers, not styles, I mean... Belgium. Belgium beers. That just peaked the meters. Just, just take the word style out. Belgium beers. Because here in California, they are styles. Yes. Yeah. They may use the same yeast. They may use the same... To enunciate, the, we're going to talk about Belgian beers from Belgium. From Belgium. Yes. Where they have compulsory voting. One of the few countries in the world that has compulsory voting. What? If you don't vote? Then you, you have to vote. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I was just uh, – Because then you basically, you basically have to have a, a decision and you will, you will not vote for that woman. And they have no, <laughs> and they have no census. They have no census. They have no census. They have sadly polluted rivers. They're one of the most urban countries in the world, and there's compulsory voting. And uh, did you just read that? Yes. Oh. And uh, no, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> and um, if it was a clear day, we could probably see the residences of more people here from the window than there are German speakers in Belgium, although. Uh, German is a recognize is a is a language spoken by a small portion of the Belgian population. I know if we look at that window right now, we're going to see no German speakers. I don't know. No, biomedical researchers maybe hanging no, out someplace. You, no, no, but no, just look out the window, right? And in the oh, we don't see any people. No, there's no. People. <laughs> we see a lot saying. of barrels of dug up toxic. Yeah, yeah I was going to say I see a, su- a super fun <laughs> site. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the only place we could afford the studio <laughs> with our riches. I think Hunter's Point is expanding. Yeah, Hunter's. Yeah. Well, no, no, this, this is the re the redevelopment of. Oh, is it? Yeah, this was the last available land in San Francisco, and they took it over. <laughs> they it's took it's it been over. going on for ten years. The, the mission, no, the Mission Bay plan started in the early '80s, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. That's all the toxic waste uh, left over from uh, Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, That's exactly. true. You that. would be amazed at what kind of uh, waste uh, uh, contortionists uh, leave behind. <laughs> a lot of ow. They don't talk ache. about it a lot because it's embarrassing. They generate extra ache. So, yeah, go ahead. Of course, we always want the beer open. By the way, I want the listeners to know that this is not an added in sound effect. This is an actual beer being opened. Here we go. In complete silence. Here we go. There we go. It's open. And this is a fake beer being opened. Um, you gave it away. Well, I was just seeing so people could tell the difference. I was doing it so people could tell the difference. Yeah, now they're going to have to go back through the archives and listen to everything. Every time I went. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, if you want to follow along while you're listening, Stu has a website called Belgian Beer Me. That's Belgian with an A, B-E-L-G-I-A-N. And then you better know how to spell beer, and you better know how to spell me, M-E. I don't know how to spell you. Y-O-U. No, you said spell me, and I'm like, I don't know how to spell you. A name yeah. I call myself. It's a name I call myself. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Stuart is the comedian. Stu Stewart is right. the comedian. Yeah, that's, that's my, that's my, your, that's my trained professional job. background, right? That's actually so my, my night straight. job. Let me get this straight. <laughs> your, prof- your real job, you're a comedian. And your other job is you get paid to take people on vacation to go drinking beer in Belgium. That's correct. Okay, you yeah. suck. <laughs> you officially – and all, I want, all, I'm going to, all I'm going to glean, every single, every single word I'm listening to is I want to do the same thing with Germany. 
<laughs> if that's a crime, I am guilty. What's <laughs> your occupation, sir? Did you have to tell it to the cop? Uh, yeah, but I didn't go into the whole stand-up uh, thing because I... Uh, <laughs> It's like, what's your profession, sir? Because uh, then they always want you to tell them a joke, and then, then that goes nowhere <laughs> fast. And so, uh, yeah, I just gave them the uh, Belgian beer me uh, business no, that's card. When you, that's when you say, hey, you want to see a Polish trailer? And you, <laughs> the guy goes, okay. And you're like, okay, go get in your car and follow me around. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, yes, sir. No, sir. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about this strange country we've heard of. Belgium. Ah, Belgium is awesome. Uh, for most Americans, it's really it's what I would call an undiscovered gem. Yeah, it's just a whole other world, you know. Just uh, uh, it's like going to Minnesota. It, it, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but since you brought it up, yeah, I. Uh, it, it's it's so uh, it's it's a great experience on so many different levels. Uh, beer, of course, uh, is the thing that uh, we're here to talk about. It makes it so special, and I try to sum up to people. Uh, why the beer culture is so special and important in Belgium. And I do that best by saying there are more than 500 different varieties of beer produced in Belgium. And not just 500 varieties, but really good ones by about 100 different brewing companies in an area about the size, oh, maybe one-fifth the size of Washington State. Okay. So picture that. And you could just spend a lifetime... So and never try like, them all. So not like going to Minnesota, because Minnesota's pretty big. Right. Yeah, or the, like going to Rhode Island. Probably so, yeah. I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Connecticut. I've never been there. I've been to Belgium. You can get, I mean, you can cross the country one direction to another on a train in, what, three hours? Uh, yeah, in a car, two pro- probably, probably two and a half, three hours two from hours. the furthest point. To the furthest point, yeah. So relatively small country and uh, relatively quick traveling unless you're right around some major cities like Brussels and Antwerp, which you, you never want to hit around rush hour. So you always <laughs> plan. It's like being in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You, you plan accordingly. So you get by those cities uh, late morning, middle of the day to get to where you're going. But uh, anyways, to answer your question more about uh, what makes Belgium so special, it's the beer, of course. It's the food, it's the people, uh, culture in general, the architecture, the scenery. The uh, Ardennes Mountains in the southeast corner are, are just beautiful. And Americans uh, find the whole experience so novel. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, because uh, Belgium just doesn't show up on the radar of most Americans. Mm-mm. I mean, well, Bel- Belgium doesn't exist. There's an entire website devoted to that. Explaining how it's a con- – have you ever seen that website? No, I it, you should you should tell. look this. It's actually a, a website that explaining we, how Belgium. We've talked about it before. About, it's in the links to uh, our Belgium One Hundred and One show. Yeah, with Steve, we talked about the uh, the non country called Belgium. I remember the first time I went to to Belgium in um, it was probably either ninety nine or two thousand, and I headed over from London on the Eurostar, and you just you get there and it's like wow, this is. First of all, I'm not fluent in either Dutch or French. So when I get off the train station, I'm looking it up at both the signs. And I can sort of get along a little bit in German. And Dutch sort of tricks you right, to make you think it might be German, but that, it's that's not. That's because it's a, a Germanic language. Right. And so there are similarities. So if you know German, you can kind of uh, have a better understanding. 
sometimes sort of figure out what's going on until they start stringing it all together, all the O's and J's and K's and T's. And right. Yeah. It, it looks like someone's uh, trying to punk you or something like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a real word. <laughs> but uh, I want to point out what Motor's talking about here, too, is uh, uh, the two main languages. Uh, in the North, they speak Flemish, which is essentially Dutch with a little bit different dialect. And then in the southern region, Wallonia, they speak French. And then there's a little couple little corners where they speak German, but yeah, almost never run into that. According to Wikipedia, yeah, it's way over there. 70, 73,000 people yep. in the country, which is a medium-sized city here in the Bay Area. And I, I would never call Wikipedia a liar. No, it's never been No. It's never been found to be faulty. <laughs> to, put, to put that in perspective, the giant stadium over here or actually Death Star Park, as I like to call it now, holds 43,000 people. Right. So if you had a full baseball day, there's fewer of them than there are German-speaking. Right, but more than half. Yeah. Just to give you an idea. As we start to get into our confusing world of arithmetic. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give you an idea of how few people that is. Right. Yeah. But... Um, Oh, dead air. That, that's kiss of no, death. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Usually, usually when, when that happens, usually that would happen is we're normally both drinking at the same time. <laughs> so, and we've never devised some sort of hand signals to go, I'm going to drink yeah, next. It's been a year and we've never really done that. Um, so where do, you, where do you like to drag people in Belgium? Well, I, I have a lot of... Yeah, you know, that's like saying, what's your favorite beer? Because right. every corner of the country has different breweries and styles to offer. Um, I like spending a little bit of time in the big cities like Brussels and Antwerp, but not too much time because uh, they're fun to see, but you can really see them in about two days for what you need to see. You can experience the major beer cafes, uh, some museums, uh, some statues, some town squares. Mannequin piss and Janikin piss. Exactly. <laughs> and what Motor's talking about is the Army Museum. The little, little statue <laughs> of the peeing boy is everywhere in Brussels. And but anyways, it's it's a big it's a big city. It's fun to spend time in, but it's a big loud city with a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I, I love to get out into the country. And uh, see these small breweries and the farmhouse breweries and the independent family-owned breweries and experience them uh, firsthand. And uh, I think my favorite part of the country is down the southeast corner, the Ardennes Mountain and Forest region. Uh, it's uh, Americans know it because it was a major battleground during World War II for Battle of the Bulge. But in uh, Belgium, they don't call it Battle of the Balls. They call it Battle of the Ardennes. But the Ardennes Mountains are kind of similar to what you see up in Anderson Valley here. Mm. You know, about that height, about that amount of ruggedness. Uh, kind of a mix of hardwood trees and conifers. And quaint little historic villages. And they all have a, a an American uh, tank on at the town square to you know <laughs> commemorate Patton and the Liberators. Um, so I think that's my favorite region is the Ardennes. And that's why I have a whole special tour uh, going to the Ardennes Mountains in May. I, and I say in my promotion here, arguably one of the most beautiful regions of Belgium, rich with beer culture, scenery, uh, gourmet cuisine, and enchanting towns and history. Yeah. My uh, sister and brother-in-law did a tour using a book that showed then and now photos of World War II and what's there now. 
Mm-hmm. And just drove around. It's like, you know, here's a gas station on the corner, and this is what it looked like in 1944. Um, or uh, also, that's that's where the Spa Racetrack is, isn't it? Roughly in that area? Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, if uh, – that's another thing that's, that's interesting. Is I find a lot of people who are interested in beer are interested in the history of World War I and, and II. And most of the, of the World War I history uh, is uh, up in West Flanders around Ypres, uh, Flanders Fields. There's great museums up there and uh, cemeteries and all kinds of memorials. And then most of the significant World War II stuff is in the Ardennes. And there's a town called Bastogne where they have the uh, official World War II Museum, Battle of Bastogne and Ardennes. And that's great. You know, it's all, it's all displayed with mannequins and jeeps and tanks, and hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, somewhere, so, I think, outside of Liège, not Liège, outside of Bruges, I haven't been there, there's a, uh, the, the Museum of Trench Warfare that they have trenches dug out and they have the yeah. whole Trent, World War II, yeah. or World War One. sorry, uh, trench warfare experience, which was just That's where they invented horrible. the trench coat. Ah, <laughs> and the trench foot. Yeah, and the trench foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the The weather as I was walking over here through the rain, it's like oh, this is my, the time of the the times of the year that I've been to Brussels. It's always like this. It it's, can be. It's cold and sort of not really raining hard, but it just lets you know it's raining. Yeah, can definitely be like that at times. Um, beer and history, just. The thing that's interesting about the accidental learning is that, you know, it's the context of the story that makes the beer interesting. You know, this got made here because somebody stopped, you know, to smell a log or to smell a log. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still oh, talking about anything? <laughs> no, the idea is that, that, I think that's what it says on this beer label right well, here. We what? stopped our great 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 grandfather stopped in this field to smell a log. <laughs> what exactly is the question? <laughs> no, my so statement. John John has no. deep thoughts. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> You're the comedian. <laughs> the idea is that history plays as much a part of 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 beer. Well, for example, the. Uh, the story of IPA, you know, that becomes interesting in that you, be, you happen to want to know more about tall ships. Right. You want to know more about the, the English uh, fighting in India. You want to know why sure. those troops were there. You know, more of the context of what, what it was that, that, and, that made that happen. Right. And Belgium begs the same question. Why are these guys so good at what they do? And it's a lot of reasons. Um, that whole area that they call Benelux there, uh, with Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg, um, you know, geopolitically, it's a relatively new country. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way the history books tell it with uh, Flanders and Burgundy and, you know, these areas sprawled all across France and southern Netherlands and what is now Belgium. And so there was just this huge influx of uh, uh, brewing background that came from France and Netherlands and Germany, all kind of converged into one spot. But also, the real significant contributing factor was the French Revolution, where the monks were driven out of France, and uh, many of them relocated to Belgium and the Netherlands, and uh, they stayed there. 
And one of the few indulgences the monks are permitted is beer. Mm -hmm. And so they became very good at it. And uh, Well, you know, if you're, as Motor has said, fast is just another term for bender. Oh, right. (laughs) The monks are fasting. That means they can only drink beer. (laughs) So the monks, uh, you know, they developed uh, their own styles, and uh, a lot of the the beers that are brewed there now are derivations of recipes that came from monks and abbeys. You want to talk about the difference between abbey beers and Trappist beers? Yeah. Well, the Trappist beer designation is a trademark logo brand, if you will. There are only seven Trappist breweries in the world. Uh, Six are in Belgium, and one is in the Netherlands. And uh, to be a Trappist brewery, you have to meet three basic requirements. Number one, uh, beer has to be brewed within the walls of the abbey. Uh, Two, has to be brewed by monks, meaning they have to be involved with the process somehow. They don't have to be necessarily necessarily the guy that's stirring the beer. In some cases, they are. They, uh, most of them employ local people from the villages to work there, but they have to be involved in the process. And like, thir- hey, you go. Get in here and throw the hops in. Exactly. <laughs> and the third thing is, uh, and, and there is a Hugo at every Trappist brewery, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought uh, it was stirred by the finger of God. And uh, that's not his finger. Ah! No. So anyways. So we can drop the log joke in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the third thing is, is that the, the proceeds from the beers uh, – a certain portion of it has to go to a charitable cause, as designated by the monks and the abbeys. So just to recap, it has to be brewed within the walls of the abbey. The monks have to be involved with the process, and, and then, uh, some portion of the proceeds have to go to a charitable cause. Now, you'll see other abbey beers. Uh, we're drinking out of some beer glasses now that say uh, Abbey de Rocks. And abbey de Rocks is this great uh, small independent brewery in the southern part of Belgium near the French border. And it's named after an abbey that's no longer in existence. Uh, so it's always not brewed in an abbey. It's not brewed by monks. And as far as I know, the, the prophets don't go to any uh, charitable causes. So you could call this an abbey beer because it's named after an abbey. So you know, abbey is a loose term when it comes to talking about uh, beers. Okay. Yeah. And for example— Much the same way. Well, no, not the same way. So if you want to use the term organic on something, right. there's very strict guidelines that go with that, much like the Trappist, the Trappist, the Trappist designation. Right. Correct. So there are a lot of Abbey beers and Abbey-style beers in Belgium, but there's only seven Trappist breweries. Yeah. Hmm. And what are those seven, to put you on the spot? Oh, no, no. Because I usually usually get to about five and go, and uh, did Uh, I say? Then you can use a lifeline. (laughs) There's Chimay. Uh There's Orville. There's West Flatern. There's uh, Westmall. There's Ackle. And then there's La Trappe. And uh, then, oh, I'm doing this. I'm getting down to... You're at six. You have one more. Six. La Trappe is the one in uh, the Netherlands. And Rochefort. Oh, good. Yeah. I got them all. Yeah. Rochefort. So your homework is already... Memorize these seven. Memorize these seven. seven That's right. And I also want to point out the one that's in the Netherlands. uh, It's called La Trappe. But in the United States, they call it Koenigshoven spelled with a K. And Koenigshoven is the name of the abbey there in Tilburg, Netherlands. And there's somebody holds the right to the 
Latrap name here, so they can't call it Latrap United States. The label looks exactly the same, except it, it's called Koenigshoven, so don't let that throw you. But uh, excellent, excellent beer. So uh, let's talk about the beer that we're drinking. Sure. This is just out of reach. Uh, it says, ale brewed with spices, Belgium wheat. And it's, I'm going to, it's a Strauss? Strussy. Strussy wit. Yeah, Strussy wit. So the, this is a, a wheat beer made by the De Strussy Brewers, uh, who are from a little town called Lowe, L-O, Lowe, Belgium, up in West Flanders, actually not too far from uh, West Flatern. And these guys started out as a, a group of amateur brewers, home brewers, and developed some really nice styles. And then they started uh, brewing at a, a larger facility uh, and going commercial. And then they switched to uh, a company now called Deca Services, which is a brewing company there. And um, these guys, they, uh, they don't contract brew. That's not the correct term here. They actually come in and use the equipment. Oh, good. And then they bottle it up and, and they they ship it out all over the place. Uh, Distrusi, these guys are getting a lot of buzz right now. Uh, they have several styles that are delicious beers. Um, the one that's really getting a lot of a buzz now is called Panapot. And, and we looked for it in the yeah. store, and they, they said it wasn't av- available in California at the moment. But Damn, it's, California. It's a, it's a, it's a dark, uh, what I would call a, uh, a Belgian specialty ale. It's made with spices. And it's about a ten percent, mm-hmm. and very well balanced. Though you don't taste the alcohol, the panapot. And the story goes that uh, there's a little town called Panay up on the northwest corner of Belgium on the North Sea, and it's a fishing town. But it's a fishing town without a harbor, so the fishermen would drag these flat bottom boats up on the shore every evening when they got done fishing, and these boats were called panapots. Well, one of the brewer's grandfather was a fisherman, and they, he used to talk about this uh, fisherman's ale that they used to drink that was no <laughs> longer in existence. And he described it to the uh, Distrusi brewers, and they took notes, and they uh, they developed, uh, I, I don't know how many different batches of beer, and they presented it to the grandpa and until they finally got it close to what he said, yeah, this is it. So the uh-huh. pan- Panapot is based on an old fisherman's ale uh, recipe, and uh, it's great. That's so, an interesting construction, too, just going, okay, what about this? What about this one? Right. How about this? Am I getting closer? <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's – so we're drinking the the wheat style from Distrusi. So these guys farm ostriches. They do, Yeah. And uh, Strusi is a similar-sounding word in Flemish that means ostrich. And these guys actually have an ostrich farm in Low Belgium, which you can stay at. It's a resort. They have rooms <laughs> there. And uh, I was there this past October. I went out and I visited uh, one of the brewers, uh, a gentleman named Urban Cotrell, I want to say. And Urban was great. Uh, one thing that's really nice about the Belgian brewers is they're very accessible. Uh, they're uh, they're all about hospitality, mm-hmm. and no matter what they're doing, even if you show up unannounced, and I don't recommend you do this, but this just goes to show how polite they are. They just drop what they're doing, sit down, have beers like we are right now, and just uh, you know bullshit and talk about the beers and whatever you want to talk about. And there's never any sense of getting rushed. 
Okay. Um, you could sit there all day and drink beer with a guy, and he would never say, okay, well, uh, we got to wrap it up because I got to go feed the ostriches or yeah. whatever. <laughs> I gotta go. Yeah, they're multiple. So you just have to kind of be careful you don't overstay your welcome. Uh, but that was a great experience, and, and definitely uh, my tours in the future, we're going to visit Distrusi. What they're doing now is they're, they're brewing at DECA Services, and I think they're going to uh, continue uh, there, but they're building a new brewing facility right at the ostrich farm, too, oh, wow. that is going to uh, take over a lot of their, their brewing responsibilities, too. Nice to know that ostriches are going to watch over the beer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, well, they're powerful animals, and you wouldn't want to cross an ostrich while trying to hork some beer. When we were there, the, the brewer said, hey, uh, do you have a dog in your car? And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't know we were, had to have one. And he's like, well, no. He said, I'm just asking because if you have a dog, make sure he doesn't get loose because uh, the ostriches use dogs as uh, soccer balls. Oh, doggies. Yeah. And so you don't want your dog getting loose in a uh, field of ostriches. Uh, you don't want to get loose in a field of ostriches. No, no. No, never mind the dog. Just I Did you know this from personal experience, John? No, I'm just saying. Were you beat up by ostriches? No, they're scary birds. <laughs> they're scary but, birds. No, they are. <laughs> like they're that. really big chickens. Yeah. And they're dumb, and they will. No wonder ostriches are so hostile toward you because you're just like I have spewing this, ostrich hate on I our beer school form here. I have preconceived notions of ostrich, and I've never <laughs> been around them. <laughs> Well, you know, don't knock them until you spend some time with them. I'm not going to knock an ostrich. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, unlike tipping a cow, I don't think you can tip an ostrich. No. No, they're, they're large creatures. And they're good at standing on two legs. Because that's all they have. So, so yeah. high. Yeah. Well, have we ever gone motor tipping? No. I'm fascinated, Stu, by the book you have around uh, in front of you, Around Bruges and 80 Beers. Oh, yeah. Um, kids, listen up and write this down. Get a pencil because this is a book you're going to want to get. It's called Around Bruges in 80 Beers, and it's by Chris Pollard and Siobhan McGuinn. And uh, they, uh, uh, they're a couple, and uh, Chris Pollard is better known in beer circles as Podge. And uh, I've gotten to know Podge in recent times, and he's, he's a great guy. Uh, Podge is easily recognizable at any uh, beer festival by his Hawaiian shirts he wears. And uh, he actually looks similar to you. He has a beard and mm-hmm. similar colored hair. I'm pointing to John. You can't see. Anyway, so Podge and uh, his partner, <laughs> Siobhan, wrote this book. And uh, they've spent a lot of time in Bruges, and they live in England, so they can just hop over real quick. And they've researched 80 places that you can have beer in Bruges, and they've designated a specific beer to have while you're at this place. And uh, <laughs> you can buy this book in Bruges, or you can buy it online at booksaboutbeer.com. And uh, if you're looking for a Christmas present for that Belgian beer lover in your life, this is a, a great book to get. Can I take sure. a look at that? Because I, I have to research something. Because I don't think I've ever told one of my brew stories right. on the right. air here. You're looking up the location. And as long yeah, as we're talking about books. Um, this book looks well used. Yeah, this one is well dog. This is a, a very dog-eared book. This uh, other book I want to talk about is called The Good Beer Guide to Belgium by Tim Webb. And uh, uh, Podge and Tim are friends. And uh, Podge is uh, one of the contributors to this book, as are a lot of the... Uh, British camera guys oh, right. who go out and research these uh, places. But this is the Bible for visiting uh, Belgium. 
uh, for towns, beer cafes, breweries, uh, beers. Uh, I think this is the third or fourth printing of this book, they, and they update it on a regular basis. And uh, this is just invaluable. So here again, if you're looking for a Christmas present for a Belgian beer-loving uh, person, uh, you can get this at booksaboutbeer.com too. And the nice thing about ordering it right off the website is the money goes directly to the authors, and that ensures that these guys will keep updating these books right. so they keep coming out. Well, we all like money to go directly to the authors. Yeah, and I'd like, I'd well, also... It keeps the book in print. <clears throat> it makes sure that the person has incentive to update the book the next time. And uh, just a better all-around thing. Right. I, I want to also publicly uh, uh, put a shout-out to Tim Webb and Podge and uh, Siobhan and thank them for helping me because when I was researching Belgian Beer Me to turn it into a travel company, um, I'd had my own experience in traveling with in Belgium and going to places too. But in talking with Tim and Podge and uh, oh, another guy I want to put a shout-out to, uh, Chuck Cook in Richmond, Virginia, who's a beer writer. Okay. These guys were all invaluable in, in helping me lay the uh, the foundation for uh, Belgian beer me. And uh, I really couldn't have done it without them because there's just too much to know. There's And, and as many times as I've been there and places I've been. Well, you're always going to discover something new. Always, always. And, that, and that's the beauty of it. Um, uh, as human beings, we like variety. And, uh, and, and if you're a human being who loves beer, then Belgium is the country you want to go to. So what... So, to talk about your business of uh, beer travel, what was the deciding fact? What was the thing that made you want to do that? Well, this all started about a year ago. I started teaching a, a Belgian beer appreciation class through the Experimental College at the University of Washington in Seattle. Okay, and uh, I just I'd loved Belgian beers for you know uh, a couple of decades at that point, and uh, been to Belgium. And so I started teaching this Belgian beer appreciation class, not knowing what kind of turnout we'd get, if any kind of response. Um, and I was amazed. The, the classes filled up. I mean, it was a huge hit. And now I've got, like, uh, uh, just even this, just since between January and April, I'm teaching 10 sections of this uh, Belgian beer, me beer appreciation class in Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco. So uh, there was a demand for it. Mm-hmm. And... The next logical question all the students have was, this, well, this beer is great, and we know about it, we love it. We've got to go where this comes from. How do we do it? Because Americans are, uh, and I'm just speaking in, in vague generalities, you know, for one thing, there's not many Americans that hold passports, and you've got to have a passport to go to Belgium. Sure, that's, that's the big first, thing. First problems. Right. So if you're planning <laughs> on going, get your passport now. Don't wait till the last second. Um, and the other thing is, is um, it's easy to be intimidated by the French language or the Flemish language, <laughs> or uh, not knowing languages that sound like <laughs> not knowing how to use uh, public transportation, buses and trains in Europe, or to drive on the uh, the, the Belgian uh, versions of the uh, autobahn, which are similar to the German ones. I mean, these guys they move out. And uh, so anyways, all these things kind of intim- intimidate Americans. So I, I set up a company to make it a no-brainer. I've, I figured out where the breweries are, where the beer cafes are, where the best hotels, restaurants are, and uh, arrange for a motor coach so you don't have to drive. So it's worry-free travel. You never have to worry about where you're staying, where you're going. 
and uh, the and the real bonus too is the camaraderie because you're with like-minded people. You're with people who love beer, and a lot of times they're home brewers, and um, so it all just goes hand in hand. It's, it's a great time, and we we do basically ten day tours because a couple reasons. First of all, uh, jet lag. It takes most people a few days to get over the jet lag, which is why I always recommend people show up uh, two or three days before the tour begins in Europe to acclimate. You know, go to Paris, go to Amsterdam, uh, go to Germany, and then meet us in Brussels, and then you're ready to go. Uh, so the jet lag is a factor. And the other thing is, is if you're going to spend this much money on a plane ticket and passports and uh, hotels and food and tours, you uh, you don't want to go for like four days. It's not enough time. It, you, you can't do it justice. Uh, You're saying my day trip to Brussels from London last January was a waste of time? It's not a waste of time, <laughs> but but so much less rewarding than if you you know were there for four or five days to really good. get into the rhythm of, of Belgium. And, and by the way, it's a different rhythm in the south and the north. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Wallonia, they're very laid back, very slow. There's a lot a, of manana going on. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a beer called Caracol that's very famous even in the U.S., and it means a snail in Spanish, not to throw another wrench into things. But that's because uh, some of the Wallonians refer to themselves as snails because it's a slow, laid back culture. But uh, anyways, uh, so I, I digressed. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You've, you started this a year ago. You've run a bunch of trips. No, uh, we just got the website up and going in August. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the the first uh, uh, major tour was supposed to leave next week for Zythos Beer Festival and a bunch of other breweries. However, I'm sad to say we didn't get enough people to do the trip, so that trip's not going. Right. So the next one I'm trying to fill is the uh, Arden Mountain Spring Beer Tour, May 28th through June 5. So that's the next one that's up. So, motors cracking another beer here. You don't, you know. I'm fascinated to. Uh, I'm fascinated that you still carry a bottle opener on a pocket knife, but you travel because almost everybody I know has gotten rid of their bottle opener pocket knives, or it's been confiscated at airport security. So you must check your bags. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, that that's one of the uh, the tricks to travel is I have to, like mental note to self. Always put Swiss Army knife in suitcase before you check it in. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, we're moving up to our next beer here. I had one of those almost confiscated because of that. Yeah, it's a drag. It's like, you don't want to no, do that. I don't want you that. become attached to your pocket knife. Well, it's just one of those tools that if you reach for it, it's not there. Like, uh, okay, I can't fix that. Uh, uh, good friend and former guest of mine, Mr. Jaime Espinoza, uh, he had his pocket, beloved Swiss Army knife confiscated coming back from the uh, OBF Organ Brewers Festival because we had taken the train up and he was flying back. And it was one that had – it was a small knife, but it had the corkscrew on it and the bottle opener, and that's very hard to find. Mm. I swear by the titanium anchor bottle opener that's not a knife, so you get to travel with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. I should get one of those flat ones you just can carry in your wallet. Yeah. Note to self, get and, flat uh, the, the other The other note I have about Belgium is if you come in – on the Eurostar, and you need to get some euros because this is where you first landed in yeah. in the European Union. Even though England's part of the European Union, but they don't want to play with their money. There's only one ATM in uh, Brussels Midi train station at uh, the far east side of the station, and there's always a long line there. 
That's another travel tip for you. Yeah. If you're going to be in Europe, uh, call your your bank or your credit card company before you go and tell them, alert them you're going to be there in which countries because it's really uh, disappointing to go there and try to use the ATM and it doesn't work. That happened <laughs> That happened yeah. uh, this uh, a year ago, January trip. One of the people I was traveling with, um, I've never had a problem with, with um, my ATM card or anything, but uh, he was with, uh, here's a plug, I don't think they were going to be a sponsor, Wells Fargo. And it wouldn't work anywhere in London, and it was just a hassle, and then he couldn't get his phone to work, so he's borrowing my phone, calling yeah. Wells Fargo's international number. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, before you travel, call up your credit card company and your ATM company and say, I'm going on a trip. That's right. Because they've really tightened up on that stuff. And another tip is uh, don't waste your time with traveler's checks. Exactly. <laughs> because the only people that carry those are people who are, like, 90 years old. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was going to say my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't she know doesn't. She doesn't get an iPod. So when was the last time you heard a commercial for a traveler's check? Carl exactly. Moulton, don't leave home without him. <laughs> yeah, but that was what 1974. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I, I, you know, it's like they always say, don't travel with a lot of cash because if you lose your wallet or you know, heaven forbid, get mugged, then you're out of that cash. But I, just, I like to travel with a lot of cash because I, I just don't like getting caught without it. You know, it's like sometimes you hard to find an ATM that is the same company as yours. And, uh, you know, the American dollar uh, works everywhere. The American peso. <laughs> yeah. So, um, One last tip before we move on back to beer. Um, if you're intimidated, I remember when I, when I first as an adult made a trip to Europe, it was before the euro came in. And so it was yeah. a Belgian franc that was one of those funny currencies where an apple cost, you know, 16 hundred what uh, Belgian francs. Right. What I did ahead of time was I just – made a little list of how much $60 was in every currency. And then when I went to the ATM, I would just take out that amount. And you can change it for whatever you're – whenever you're mm-hmm. walking around here, I, yeah. I, I'm a person who still walks around with cash. And I go to the ATM, I take out X amount. Right. And I realize how often – you know, how you know every other day or whatever, I'm taking right. this amount out. Yeah. If you do that same thing when you're traveling, you don't really have – you can just sort of get a feel for how fast you're spending your money. And you don't really have to worry – as much mm-hmm. about the exchange rate all the time. Yeah. That if you've got a wallet that's got, I don't know, let's make up a country and you've got 36,000 whatevers and you're taking it out every two days, you're pro- and that's calibrated to whatever you usually take out, you're probably spending the right amount of money. Right. Another point is, is uh, as an American traveling to Europe, it's easy to stand around and try to figure out exactly what you're paying for a beer or a pair of shoes or whatever you're buying, but... Uh, my advice is don't do that. You'll just go crazy. Just convert your money to euros and live your life because life is too short to be trying to convert stuff and figure out how much a glass of orange juice is in Brussels compared to uh, San Jose, California. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, life's too short. <laughs> just, you know, you work hard for your money. Uh, you know, you deserve to have fun. Go out there and spend it. Enjoy life. Well, it's, yeah. it's the the – universal measure of money is how much a pint of beer costs right right so you kind of know anyway like oh this is costing me 10 something right and i usually pay five something okay people do what they call the duval test over in belgium because uh they know they know how much a, a glass of duval should cost so they'll go into a bar and they'll, they'll just look at the price of duval there and they'll kind of know whether this beer cafe is really up their prices or if they're ballpark. Yeah. Three euro, 
That's okay. I know that when we four fifty four euro fifty. Uh uh-uh. uh. Or something like that. I don't yeah. know what it is, but yeah. yeah. There's always the Pringles test in when you're traveling in the islands. It's like if you're going around from <laughs> island to island to island. You're in the British Virgin Island buying Pringles. Well no, because there's only two <laughs> there's only two kinds of beer that that you can get. It's Carib or it's Bud. And that's it. And so that was oh and then there was Heineken, but that we didn't drink that. There's uh, also the- I was going to finish, but when we knew when we got to the furthest out islands, when a can of Pringles cost seven dollars. Wow! And we bought Pringles before at uh, a different place for like three dollars fifty. Right. So I was like, okay, this is a lot of effort to get to. to my get to. my final my final yeah. statement until we go back on track here is in Germany. Say it's 11 o'clock in the morning, 10.30, you're a little bit slow getting up, and you go to some place and you want a cappuccino, and you realize the cappuccino is about the same price as a beer, and you go, maybe it's just time for a beer. (laughs) That reminds me of a story. uh, One morning I was in a town called Alst. It's kind of halfway between Ghent and Brussels, nice little historic town, and I saw these two old women about nine in the morning sitting at an outside cafe table. And these women were probably in their 70s, maybe 80s, and they were sharing a, a West Mall uh, triple at nine in the morning. <laughs> and so I, I was talking to Podge, my my beer friend from England, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's not uncommon at all. A couple of ladies just sharing their breakfast there, you know? Yep. Well, that was yeah. supposedly the story with barley wine. Uh in England, it had come down to that was what old ladies drank. That it was, and that uh, wow from, from Anchor when you know Fritz was around England and said, "What about this barley wine stuff? Well, that's the old lady beer. That's what the old lady <laughs> sip." Um, Weird. Do you go into any of the uh, or or what's your experience with the cafes where you get the you know you get the Bible and they've got you know two thousand bottles? Yeah, what what Motor's talking about is is. Uh, yeah, you go in these places and they have their beer menus, which are about the size of a phone book. Some places, uh-huh. uh, uh, and uh, that that's fun. Um, you know, you can look at it. it's it's a bit overwhelming. Uh, sometimes it's kind of fun to see what other people are drinking, what they're doing. There's a lot of uh, uh, vertical tastings going on in Belgium with the serious beer enthusiasts. They like what they call the old beers, and. Um, as listeners may know, that uh, most of the Belgian beers, anything over maybe like 7 or 8%, can age really well for, mm-hmm. for years and years, uh, uh, depending on which beer and style it is, different amount of years. But the Belgians like the old beers, and they like to just drink them side by side, these places that sell them. Um, uh, the British, uh, uh, on the whole, aren't so interested in the, in the uh, old beers. They like the newer beers. But uh, that's one of the novelties of Belgium, you could, drink a lot of old beers mm-hmm. and as they get older they typically tend to get uh uh smoother and, and less sweet and it can take on different colors and flavor profiles and yeah it's great i also like the uh the food that you get at the at the the uh beer bars even if it's just a slice of cheese or the nuts or any of that just the whole sort of snacks they call the them snacks that go with the yeah. beer um on the uh, the day trip, um, and I've spent more time in Belgium, but the the day trip is sort of like the the last trip I've done over there. Um, my ticket back on the train was screwed up, and so p- there were five of us, and three of us went to 
beer circus for dinner mm-hmm. as we were catching the last train back to London. And I went to uh, Port Noir. Um, it's right down from the cathedral, sort of up the hill from Mannequin Piss. And uh, there, uh, just went with another friend of mine, and we had a couple of beers and this cheese plate with like a pound of cheese on it. And just some bread. It was fantastic. Like two or three different kinds of cheese and a lot of cheese. Oh, that's great. Not like when you get a cheese plate here. Right. Twenty dollars cheese took plate. By volume, a cheese plate here. Yeah. And that cheese plate. That cheese plate would have been about a fifty dollars cheese plate. It was amazing. And just that, as that was that's what we we're gonna have for dinner. It was great with the beer, just the the pungent cheese and the beer was magnificent. Mm, I agree. They're generous with their food and and you know, for the same reasons the Belgians have such great beer, they have great food too. You got the French influence, uh, uh, German influence, uh, the Dutch influence. Okay, maybe not the Dutch, but anyways. Now, that's, hey. so it, 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 we can pick on the Dutch because they're not organized. No, but the 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 food's great. The people I say, well, what do they eat over there? Well, a uh, lot of things. Uh, they they eat a lot of beef stews, like I call beef carbonades. They uh, eat a lot of vegetable stews. They call uh, stomps, mm-hmm. and they eat a lot of game, depending on what's going on. Yeah, birds, venison, rabbits. Um, I had rabbit pate that was outstanding, just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's great. You know, and here again, as Americans, we don't see a lot of uh, wild game. Maybe a few birds here and there. So. They're, they're definitely into that. And, uh, of course, their famous pommes frites, their double-fried French fries that they've mastered so well and are proud of and fiercely competitive with. Yeah. And the waffles. Oh and and, mu- and mussels. Yeah. Got a, one of our listeners sent us this picture. And it's really small, I'm sorry, but I didn't expect to have to bring this up. Yeah, um, the, we're going to break just right now. I'll just quickly announce the my winner for the best homework assignment ever <laughs> is Jeff from the other Brisbane. <laughs> Came up with pictures of uh, my for a long time. My uh, my uh, tradition has been on the Eurostar um, when you're going through the through the Channel Tunnel uh, to make sure to make sure that you have your beer going through the Channel Tunnel. Yeah, and, he has pictures of it. Yeah, I know, I know. I got pictures. I got pictures and video of it from uh, along with the uh, co-founder of the Twenty First Amendment at <laughs> like eight in the morning, taking pictures of our beer and the staff in the cafe, cafe car is looking at us, going, "Okay, first of all, you guys are drinking beer at eight in the morning, and second of all, you're taking pictures of it." <laughs> but uh, Jeff from Brisbane, uh, we had a little back and forth, and he showed me train pictures, and I showed him train pictures, and <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was quite cool. Yes. So he sent us a picture of the Green Ferry. Yes. The uh, the uh, belt. The, the Absent uh, Bar across bar. the street from yeah. uh, Delirian Tremens. Yeah. And the and remember, if you're into high school girls, they're all there at about 3.30 in the afternoon, most weekdays. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the picture of waffles. Yes. I was most impressed by that because I'm like, oh, you know, waffles would be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good, right? I like waffles. So we're, let's talk a little bit about the beer because uh, we've talked about our train pictures and oh sure and these uh, and these great pictures of of uh, Cantillion. Okay, we're drinking the, this this beer. This is by Dadali Brewers. These guys are out in West Flanders too, and uh, they're the Crazy Brewers, mm-hmm. and that's what uh, their name is. Uh, uh, Dali means crazy, and uh, they make uh, several amazing styles of beer. 
and uh, well worth a visit if you're in that region. They have tours, and they have a hospitality room, and they're definitely open to visitors. This particular style we're having is their triple, and it's called uh, Deli TV 10. And Deli TV means quite literally crazy bitch. We can say that, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we can say that. send a bottle of this. To- <laughs> and the uh, urban the urban legend is that, that this uh, woman on the label here is the brewer's uh, mother-in-law, uh, who he doesn't have a very pleasant relationship with. But uh, as it turns out... Uh, he likes her enough to put her on the, the label. Dully TV is a uh, somewhat common expression in Belgium. Uh, I had it explained to me, for example, you come home from the beer cafe late at night, and your your wife wants to know where you were. She's all upset and screaming at you. She's a dully TV. That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah. Sweet. But this is a triple. This um, there's a lot of flavors that are going on in, in this beer. Oh yeah, and this is um, I'm looking for our our alcohol content here. This is probably at least a nine percent. Let's see here. Hmm. Ten percent, yep, right Dolly there. TV. Well, that's why probably the big number ten is there in the in the corner of the label. Right. Let me talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes that is the tip off. Not always. Yeah, so not always. let me uh, talk about what makes a, a a double and triple different, and uh, where the names come from. There's some historical significance. First of all, the uh, the monks are the ones who came up with the doubles and triples, and they used to make a. Uh, beer for themselves, and then, to my knowledge, uh, still do in instances where they made a beer that's about a three percent. It's kind of their uh, what they would call a table beer, um, like a small beer. Might call it a session beer here okay. or in England, but a table beer. And, and in fact, you know, there was a time when uh, they served beer in school. You know, and they had table beer for the school children and stuff. So the monks had this table beer about three percent for themselves because they still had to do things like. Uh, uh, ring bells and make cheese and beer and do Gregorian chants and you can't do that if you're all hammered. What do you do? Ring bells, make cheese, right? And you know, uh, usual thing. I never think a suit. You have to tr- trivialize everything. <laughs> no, but anyway. So these guys had a function. So they had the three percent beer for themselves, and they brewed a double around six percent. They sold to the local population, and then they built. They brewed the triple, which is about a nine percent. And uh, now, and and those were kind of. And that's the historical significance of double and triple, but they're different recipes too. Uh, as a as a as a rule, the doubles tend to be a darker, maltier, less sweet beer. And then when you move up to triple, they become lighter in color and much sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of the triples personally. I love the triple beers. There's two amazing triples on uh, as part of Strong Beer Month that Magnolia and Twenty One A have. Yes. The, the Magnolia's beer is called Triple Tweezer. Mm. And every time I say that, I want to say Twipple Tweezer. Right. And uh, 21A has a beer called Golden Doom, mm. uh, which is quite good. Sounds good. Yeah. And, that, they and also, those, are, those are Belgium style. Right. they were made in San Francisco. Right. <laughs> Not they, by monks or by... Oh, Jesse kind of looks like a monk sometimes. There's also what they call quads, quadruples. Never had a quad. And you'd think, well, that's probably 12%. Well, usually uh, about uh, 10% or above these quads. Uh, Koenigshoven, I talked about La Trappe, makes a really nice quad that you're starting to see quite a bit in the United States now. And uh, they're good beers. The quads tend to uh, be darker in color. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we go from double this dark to triple this light, and then quads get dark again. So in a nutshell, that's what it's about. Uh, so if listeners want to know about doubles and triples and kind of use that as a springboard for their tastings, they can do that. What about the uh, the lambics, or the also the the uh, ah lambics? Yes, L- you know lambics. Uh, they're a whole other story. Uh, lambics are one of the unique styles of the Belgians brew, and uh, it is basically uh, beer that's brewed like any other beer, except instead of adding yeast, they inoculate the beer spon- by uh, spontaneous fermentation with the natural yeast from the air. And these lambics are only brewed in an area uh, near Brussels called the Peyoten Land, about a 10-kilometer-wide region. And they say, this is the urban legend, that this is the only place in the world that these natural yeasts exist in the air to be able to produce these beers. And it's a dying style that's, uh, uh, you know, having a resurgence. And the people who are into lambics love lambics, and they are total lambic geeks. Lambics um, are typically not an entry-level beer for someone who's just, tra- just right. getting into Belgians because they tend to be uh, very uh, sour or tart. Uh, but they have very uh, delicate and uh, intricate flavor profiles. My advice is if you want to ease yourself into a Lambic, uh, try uh, one of the uh, uh, fruit Lambics, uh, such as uh, like a, a Lindemann's uh, Creek mm-hmm. cherry flavored lambic. It'll give you a sense for the the sourness, but the it'll be enough cherry flavor there to make it palatable for you if you're just getting into them. Um, also, pesh. Yes, that's very the, the peach yeah. flavored one. Although they, we didn't like the apple so much. No, they, they make other fruit yeah, flavors we tried as to well. Make all of them. We've tried. We've had. I've a, seen banana. I mean, in, when you get to the places with the big beer bibles, you start looking at the fruit beers, and they've kiwi and things like that. I don't think I've seen a lot of that here. No. Um, Probably doesn't travel well for good reason. <laughs> but uh, Lambic <laughs> are smuggling us all back a bunch in the uh, in a suitcase, right? With a pocket <laughs> knife and a bunch of beer. Yeah, I did bring a lot of beer back. I had a rental car when I was there this you last time. You drove back from Belgium. Yeah, uh, yeah. And man, I'll tell you what, I did not get my damage deposit back. <laughs> I was a son of a yeah, bitch. Part of the uh, North Sea doesn't <laughs> get rid of all. <laughs> no, get rid I, of the octopi before you. Uh, I had a rental car for the. Two weeks and I was over there in October, and uh, I started, you know, I'd buy beer at breweries and beer cafes and stores, and I realized I had to give this car back in about three days, and I had like 50 bottles of beer in the trunk of my car, and I thought, there's no way I can possibly consume all this or bring it back. So I started giving it away to people. I'd be sitting in the lobby of my hotel. There'd be like another couple there. I'm like, hey, you guys want some beers? They're like, sure. And <laughs> so I, I drank some, and I gave some away. And then I left a big box of it at a hotel in Bruges for uh, my friend Podge from England to pick up. And then I did take you know, probably 20 bottles back with me in my suitcase, all of which made it, by the way. Very good. So dirty underwear and socks are good for something. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm seeing a trend that I'm, not, that I'm both very happy about and disturbed at the same time. Uh-huh. And that, that uh, trend is that Belgium beer bars are, are being made and opened in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, three specifically of, here, too. Three of them opened in, within right. six months of each other. <coughs> yeah. And well, let's give these guys some shameless plugs. All right. So and so here it is. Uh, Monk's Kettle in the Mission, La Trappe in North Beach, and 
Trappist over in Oakland, or it's the Trappist. Uh, all of them are very accessible. You can get to Monk's Kettle by the 22. So if you know how to get to... Uh, 16th Street Bart. Yeah, it's 16th Street Bart. The 22 will take you the rest of the way. Um, if you're going to La Trap in North Beach... You um, take the, the 30 or the 45. Yeah, uh, 15. 15 doesn't run anymore. Oh, yeah. Don't, uh, don't take that one. Take the 30 or the 45 or the 9X to Washington Square and walk a block, or the 30 will drop you off right across the street at the library. And it's right up there. All you people coming to town staying at Fisherman's Wharf, it's right up the street. Yeah, you can Fisherman's ride the cable Wharf. car. Up. It's right around. Oh, you can ride the cable car, too. I forgot all about that. And it's right by Lombard Street and all I, that good stuff. When, when I describe uh, La Trap, I like to say where little cable cars go halfway, halfway to, to the, the bars. <laughs> I haven't been there yet, and I live four blocks away. I'm, I'm, my 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 butcher in North Beach has given me crap that I. Oh, you got to go. They, I know. I know. All, all three of these places uh, are worth uh, uh, the trip. So if you're, I don't, you know, if you're in Sacramento or up in Crescent City or <laughs> down in San Luis Obispo, it's worth coming up. Why Crescent City? I don't know. It's just a random, 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 random town I picked. Wow. Just... So, so I'm really excited about this. I'm happy that these guys are opening because the food at um, La Trap is excellent. Mm-hmm. And I agree. You can't. It can't be beat. However, this is my. This is where. Where I don't know if it's a good idea comes in, because everybody's hearing the buzz about these places and they're going, oh. There's this new Belgian beer bar open. They have great beer. Right. So these people go there, you know, because they hear about their food people. They want to – they hear their great review and they want to mm-hmm. experience that. And they get there and they recklessly, randomly order something. They go, eeny, meeny, I'll take that. Right. Because it's reassuringly in the middle of not expensive but not cheap. Yeah. And they get this beer and they go, oh, this is the worst beer that I've ever had. What beer are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, no, no. I'm just saying that I've seen this happen. Oh, with where, people who have never had a Belgian beer yeah, before. Never okay. had, a, had this type of beer before, right? And they they don't know what to order, and so the person next to him goes, "Well, I like this and this," and they go, "Okay, I'll have the, what he's having." Right. Well, what he's having is probably not what you should drink. Right. If you're just asking, what are you drinking? Well, here's the beauty of any of these places: uh, the people who work there are well educated. And they're going to, if you say, hey, this is my first time, what's something I might like, you know, and, and then they might say, well, what do you what do you like to drink as far as craft beers right. go to kind of get a feel for your palate? And they'll recommend something. They're not going to send you into a straight-up Lambic or something right, like that. Right, I know, but, it, but, but the, the danger is when somebody goes, oh, I don't need directions. I can just, I'll, I'll, I'll like beer. Yeah. I'm going to just recklessly order. I'm going to get that. Right, or even if they get a recommendation. <laughs> John, what happens is this. One of the things that makes Belgian beer different is they use different strains of yeast, mm-hmm. quite a bit different than what the Americans use. And that's going to taste foreign to a palate that's never had it before. People sometimes describe it as uh, banana-like or spicy, depending right. on which beer it is. Well, this last thing had tasted like peaches. So, I mean, there was a little peach flavor coming through. Don't mm-hmm. to the India. country. Yeah. So you just have to be open to it and uh, give it a go and know that it might be different. Um you know, they say there's no accounting for taste, so no matter how many you try, uh, it's not going to be for everybody, but I would venture to say it's for 90-some percent of the people because yeah. these are some really delicious I know beers. That, I know recent experiences uh, we had, and this is not a Belgian beer, but from Colorado, the La Folie. 
Uh-huh. And everybody was, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, Lothalee's out. Right. Get the new batch. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting at the bar, and we're, everybody's excited. And so, you know, the, the one person's like, I, okay, if you guys are going to, you know, be excited about right. this, I want to try it. And they're like, you know, the Bugs Bunny face happened immediately. Yeah. And but, it was, you know, and the guy was not prepared because he, we, the way we were describing it, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe how flavorful this is. Oh, check out this. Right. The, the finish is wonderful. And so we're using the same words that we're describing it anyway. Right. And he's not happy. Well, see, the problem there is, is in uh, listeners, what John's referring to is this La Folie. It was essentially a, a Flemish sour ale. They cast conditioned it, and it takes on some of uh, the... The sour qualities imparted by the wood in the casks. And um, if you've never had a sour ale like that before, then this is a little different than a lambic. I mean, it, it's sort of similar but different. And, uh, yeah, it can it can really kind of come out of left field. Yeah, especially if you've had something sweet before or whatever you were eating right. that, didn't, that didn't go with it. Here, here's what I say about uh, sour Flemish ales and uh, lambics is – you really have to uh, give yourself an opportunity to try three or four of them in different settings. Right. And with somebody who hopefully has a little bit of background on them, who can hold your hand and kind of tell you what you're going to experience, and then you can talk about what you're experiencing and then have a debriefing afterwards. Uh, and then you can really grow and expand your palate. I know that, uh, I know that uh, the, the goose style or the guz uh, – it's something the very first time I tried it, I hated it. I was not happy. Right. And, and, what it, and my experience was that I'd never tasted anything quite like it before. And what the what the goose is, or as the Flemish the Flemish say their G's like an A's like who's but the Americans say, and British say goose. But the the, the goose is uh, the blended lambics and they, they blend them from different uh, years and they uh, achieve different flavor profiles and uh, and really are more more palatable than a straight up lambic mm-hmm. and there's also what are called pharaohs f-a-r-o pharaohs are uh, uh young lambics that they put sugar in to make them more palatable too but it's a whole another little bailiwick it's a it's it's kind of like i i it's an advanced area for an advanced beer drinker someone who's already kind of bored with the basic belgian styles and is ready for that next step so I don't feel like you got to hop into lambics or sour Flemish ales. You got there's time for that. Sure. Get your you know try the wheat ales, try the doubles, try the triples, try the farmhouse ales, which we haven't talked about yet. No, we will. So so um, and then the other thing I want to just mention briefly is that if you eventually become a quote beer snob, yeah. And generally, when I describe a beer snob, I'm talking about the guy who only likes his one kind of beer. He always gets that beer. Oh, Radeberger. That makes me a beer snob. Yeah, exactly. You're a beer snob. I don't like any other beer except for this one. I don't like any other beer except Radeberger or beers that are made to taste like Radeberger. (laughs) But the idea is if – so the other side of the coin of the beer snob is that you become so – your palate has become so mm, big. Mm Mm-hmm. That now you're you judge everything and you judge everyone and and you have this kind of an attitude like the wine guy, right? And you, you that's, run in, that's the future. And, and if that's the future of beer, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. Yeah, you know, you know, that you you find that kind of person no matter what you do. If you're into uh, macrame or 
tying fish flies or you know, whatever you're into. You know, there's always going to be the geek who has to kind of drop a lot of buzzwords to show that, you know, that, you know, to kind of make up for his insecurity to show that he knows what he's talking about or whatever. But or the or it, the it pers- happens. The person, a friend of mine, uh, coined the term who always looks for something that's reassuringly expensive. And you see people like that at – they're the ones who will go and buy the uh, the five-liter or whatever bottle of uh, Duval when they see it at uh, whatever bar it's at uh, or something like that because yeah. they go, just walk in. Yeah, this is expensive. That must be good. I'm going to have that. And then whatever it is, I'm going to like it because it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you yep. seen my watch? There's some of that. Have yeah, you seen my, so watch? my watch? Yeah, you know I how know, deep I, I can dive with this watch? I've never dove. But if I have to, watch will be okay. All the way to 700 feet. Like, <laughs> dude, you're going to be dead before you get to 700 feet. Come on. I had a 300-meter watch. That, I know. I'm just saying. You're going <laughs> to be dead before you get there. And as I said last episode, I'm a better floater than I am a, a diver. Oh, yeah. So your watch don't, is safe. Don't you guys find that most beer consumers are just kind of like real people? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, once in a while, we've run into that guy. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a rule that and, says – I, I got a rule that says never talk to anybody who's taking notes in a pad at a brew pub. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're yeah because they're going to talk to you anyway if you're sitting next to them. Just don't start the conversation. Yep. Every time I go to Belgium, I start with a little notepad because I, I want to keep track of how many beers I had. And after like about twenty beers, I'm just like ah, screw the notepad because it's just it's just yeah. too much work. You know? What we do is we just take pictures of them. I, I was on a trip one time with a guy for I guess we were gone for about 10 days, and he had tried 90 different beers and written a little description of every one of them. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that, yeah. but then some people just get twisted up and can make the experience of hanging out and enjoying beer and talking and having fun like a final exam. Yeah. And go, you know, because I like beer that's not right. I'll like beer that's not to style, and I'll be enjoying it. And then somebody will point out, "Well, this is this is totally not to style. You know, this is just crap." Like, but I like yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Don't get, get caught up on trying to uh, define uh, Belgian styles. It's not important. The Belgians don't look at it as important. No, it's um, just that beer. You 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 might yeah you right? might. It's like no, we made, we just made this. Yeah. Well, what is it? I don't know. If we just it, right, and they don't get caught up. Five hundred years. It. If we just make this, all you gotta know <laughs> is if you like it, remember what it is, and keep buying it. And then, then try some other ones too. I, I like in uh, uh, drinking Belgian beers to uh, uh, little kids playing soccer. You ever, ever watch little kids playing soccer? No matter how good they are, if they're like really good or just not very good, the 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 guy who's uh, been to soccer camp is having just as much fun as the kid is his first day on the field. Same thing with beers. You don't have to know a lot. You know, you get a beer in front of you and you enjoy it with some friends and uh, and you're off. That's it right there, you know? What is this? Is this called Pop Rings? Yeah. Pop Rings Hummel Ale. Yep. And I'm tasting hops. Yes, which is unusual for the Belgians. Yeah. We talked about this when we were down at City Beer this afternoon. The Belgians, of course, use hops in their beers, but nowhere like in the United States craft beer movement in the Northwest. Yeah, where it's now a crisis. Right. This, uh, this, uh, <laughs> this uh, Pope Rings Hamel Ale is, is brewed in a little town called Watu down West Flanders, literally a stone's throw French border. My mouth is watering. Van Eek Brewing Company, <laughs> and it's 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 a hoppy Belgian beer, but very well balanced. 
It's about 7.5%, and uh, this is a great beer. It goes great with food. And I was telling uh, John when we were down at the beer store that uh, this area where the town of Poperang and Watu are is a major hop-growing region. And the National Hop-Growing uh, Museum is in Poperang, and it's one of the places we go to on, on the tour. So, you know, most people would say, I want to go to New York, and I want to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now I'm excited about going to the Hop the Hop Museum. It's <laughs> like that's got to be it's got to be interesting. Take it me is. To you the know, hop. I, take I, me to the Hop. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. I went there thinking on a scale of one to ten, this Hop Museum. This is probably going to be like about a six. You know how exciting could this be? Yeah. But I have to admit, it was a ten. It's uh, it's very well documented. Nice displays. Uh, there's a. Uh, they have like a audio listening device. You walk around and press a button, and it talks about it. And it's great. I mean, really, I I, I learned a lot. Um, the one thing you see a lot of is references to um, the Hop Devil or Hop Duvel. Hmm. And I I always wondered why there's so much uh, devil imagery in Belgian beer and whatnot. And what and I learned about it at the Hop Museum that what the deal was is. Uh, the, uh, now you're going to give it away. Well, uh, let's see if I can <laughs> recall this with some accuracy. Uh, uh, the Hop Devil, um, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to give this, do this justice. Google the Hop, hop Devil <laughs> at, uh, at the National Hop Museum, but you can go there and learn all about how it came about. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, this beer is nice. Isn't it's, it? Though? Yeah, it reminds me of California. Mm-hmm. This, you talk about an entry-level beer. Yeah. If if you're looking for a nice entry-level Belgian, this Poperings Hommel Ale is a nice one. Go to your beer store and get it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. You can taste the Belgian yeast, but yeah, it's hoppy enough, so you're still kind it of... It feels like home. Yeah. Unlike, uh, well, this was different. The crazy bitch. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I like the... This, uh, Ostrich beer. The Struzzi. Pardon me. Struzzi. Yeah. I had to burp there. Um, the Struzzi ostrich beer. Nice beer. And I'm looking forward to when we get to the, what was it called? The last one? Oh, yeah. well, the Panapot. The Panapot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you get the Panapot, you'll be blown away. Maybe we'll have to go to Nevada. They make two versions. Yeah, Nevada. <laughs> that, that great beer store in, in Reno. <laughs> well, the, they bring everything there. They sell it at uh, Belmont Station. Uh, beer store in Portland. So okay. if you're up in uh, near Portland, go there and check out July Belmont Station. We'll be there in July. Yeah. For sure. Then there may be another reason to go up there before. Carl Singmaster and the crew up there, they do a great there's job. You, there's the uh, the uh, Falconer thing in, in Eugene in like March or April, I think. Falconers. Yeah. But no, no, the, the, uh, the, the Glen Hay Falconer. Oh, Sasquatch yeah, Beer yeah, Festival. Yeah, that's fun. We made, okay. We'll and I've been for two years. I've been meaning to go to that, and I haven't gone to that. We should figure out how to get there. And Eugene is almost a road trip, especially if you spend the night in like Ukiah. We got wheels. At Lost Coast. We got wheels. We yeah. met the brewer from Lost Coast. Well, I did. Sorry. Yes. You can take the uh, Am- Amtrak up there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love trains, and I took I I did the OBF on Amtrak this year. And sadly, the train through the Cascade Mountains between California and Oregon just gets so late, so horribly late. And then going back, you're just like, uh. That said, I might take the train out to Chicago this summer because oh, um, yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. 
But uh, it's not like the trains in Europe. Do you guys want to talk about pouring Belgian beers? We did. We've talked about okay. pouring Belgian beers okay. before. Um, I missed that day in class. Yeah, well, we talked about it on the 101 show. And we talked about glassware, okay. how everything has a different glass. We talked about pouring beers, how it's the beer needs to be built. And if it's not built, it will taste different. Right. You have to release the CO2 and put a head on it. Yeah. Yeah. And some beers need to be aggressive. Some beers need to go slowly. Um, Sadly, we don't have the brewer to tell us exactly how these beers should be poured. But I think the three that we've had so far have been pretty normal, not really requiring a specific pour. Right. The big thing with these is, and because uh, most Belgian beers are bottle conditioned, they have some yeast in the bottom. Most people prefer to not pour the bottom of the beer into your glass. Uh, the exception is the wheat ales, uh, especially like with Hogarden. They recommend you pour like three-quarters of it and then swish the bottle around and dump it in with the yeast to get the whole. Mm. So uh, The floof. Right. It won't hurt you. Uh, it will change the flavor profile of your beer some. Um, if you don't like it, just don't pour it that way the next time. Right, exactly. If, so let's say I go and I sign up for one of your tours and we go out on the tour. Is it – how much – do you have free time? Do you say, okay, we're here, go find this? Or is like run around – is it like we're going here, this is the place? That's a good question. How structured is yeah, the tour? Yeah, how structured is it? Um, it's loosely structured. So what will – typically uh, you'll either have a morning free or an afternoon or an evening free. So you have time to go explore. You can go to a museum. You can go to beer cafes. You can sleep in. You can go diamond shopping. You can sleep in. Whatever you want to do, right? Run into Tom Shane. So we have some structure to the day. We have some meals together that are included in the price of the tour where we all have lunch or dinner. All breakfasts are included. All the hotel lodging, ground transportation. I don't do the air. But, uh, yeah, it's if you want a tour where every moment of your time is uh, designed for you, this is not the tour. I mean, this gives you free time to do some stuff, but at the same time, we get you into some breweries, and you meet some brewers and some beer personalities that you uh, likely wouldn't have met on your own. Right. Yeah. And it takes, it takes the guesswork out. And you, you can have more efficient use of your time, too. You know, we'll hit a number of breweries. Typically, we don't like to visit more than uh, uh, two breweries in a day. Uh, if you're hitting three breweries in a day, uh, that's <coughs> that can be exhausting. Yeah. You know, it, that's, you know, and, and after you've seen some, uh, you know, four sets of brewing equipment, you know, it can all start <laughs> to, it's like porn, it can look the same, you know what I mean? So, you know, uh, yeah, you wow, try, try, to, tr- try to go easy on people, yeah, you know. Like, ooh, stainless, ooh, copper. Yeah. Ooh, wow. I'm not going to go there with the next comment. But, ooh, um, mash ton. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, no, that, that sounds good. Ooh, that's open a, fermenter. That sounds good. Um, have you ever been to the Atonium in in uh, Brussels? The gigantic model of the carbon oh, atom. I've seen it, but I've never been right up to it. I'm lucky enough to have gone there before they renovated it. <laughs> wow! <laughs> when it was uh, Brussels, I love Brussels. It's it's really funky for like an important city that it is. It's the head of the EU. It's where NATO is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funky in Brussels, and there's a lot. If you're not a seasoned traveler. If you're skittish, there's a lot of Brussels where you sort of like look around going, yeah, it's, it's, wow. It's not a town you want to drive your rental car in. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so much fun. And there, there's, um, there's, just like, there's just like a spirit there that you get. 
even though it's it's sort of funky and you'd be walking along all of a sudden there's an abandoned building here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also so much beauty and they've done so much over the last well, probably ten years since I've been going there to make it more pedestrian friendly. There, there's signs everywhere downtown pointing you toward everything. And um, but yeah, the Atonium was something. I think the World's Fair was in Brussels in 1958, and it's one of those World's Fair artifacts. Yeah, gigantic carbon atom that you write up in these escalators, the connecting bonds between the atoms. And it was at the time I went through it, it smelled old, and it's now it's been all renovated. It's got a new purpose. It has but, a new has a new carbon footprint. very good but yeah belgium is fun brussels is uh, interesting too because it's in the north it's in flanders you think oh they're going to speak flemish wrong it's a little province uh, of its own and they speak mostly french but you know very international city it's a home of the eu and lots of hot chicks europe in general yes (laughs) and soon uh you can uh Probably this year you'll be able to get to Cologne very fast from Brussels when they finish the rest of the um, Belgian light rail or Belgian high speed rail headed mm-hmm. toward Germany. Uh, now you can get there, you know, relatively fast, like two two and a half hour, or two and a half hours, which should be a lot faster. Which will let you do a day trip to Cologne because they're like six or seven breweries within walking distance of the train station. You can go get your fill of Kolsch. Get some Kolsch there. Yeah, nice. I've been there. And then to hop up to Dusseldorf, which is one of my favorite places. Uh, Belgium. Or BelgianBeerMe.com. Right. Stu Stewart um, is the tour guide, so to speak. Creator, founder. Creator, founder. Um, he has a fine website that talks about his trips coming up. Uh, May 28th through June 5th is the Mountain Spring Beer Tour. The Lonely Monks Trappist Tour, October 18th through the 27th. The Essen Christmas Beer Festival Tour from December 6th through the 15th, and nothing for 2000 the next. Right. These these trips are designed to repeat in 2009, too. Okay, so about the same time. Right. So if people are looking at this going, gosh, I can't go to um, Essen you know, this year, but maybe the next year. So uh, Americans uh, typically need six months uh, to 12 months out to kind of plan to go and yeah. budget for it. And uh for a lot of people, it would be a trip of a lifetime. Maybe they'll just go there once. Uh, for other people, this will be what they need to kind of get comfortable with it, and then they'll do other tours or go off on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a vacation that's not a beach. You're not going skiing. You're going to go on a beer trip. Right. Like, in a way, it is the ultimate beer run. The, the, the qu- <laughs> but here's the question I get. There's yeah. like, well, if my spouse isn't really a beer drinker, will they have fun? Yeah. Because, you know, beer is a platform, but the people, culture, scenery, architecture, history, that's the star of the tour. And, and, and we cover all that's that. That's why you go. That, yeah. Because here's the thing. If, if you don't go on this tour, you can find great Belgian beer right here in the United States. Right. You, know, you can go down to – was, it was actually in awe of what was at the um, Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, here's this one – I don't know, a section of the beer and it was all, all these things oh, yeah. that were tasting. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've had that. I've had that. That's good. And yum. And, uh, that's amazing. What's becoming available here. Yeah. It, and what, here's what I find too is, um, I'm, I try to take people to some recognizable places like Caracol, mm-hmm. uh, Duval, Quack. Um, cause you know, they want to see where this comes from, right. but they also want to experience some beers and breweries that they've never heard of. 
But if I take them to all places they've never heard of, they're like, well, how come we didn't go to Quack or Duval? Well, that's, that's why we go to these places, too, because they right. want to see where it comes from. And, and there's something really satisfying about being, uh, for example, at uh, the Duval Brewing Company, they have uh, uh, a Duval hospitality room, which is nice, where the tour ends and you get to drink their beer. But right around the corner, there's the old local bar where the broom masters and the brewery workers go drink, and it's called the Brower's House. <laughs> it's got some stained glass window. There's a little dachshund that runs around in there, and uh, nobody speaks English, and um, it's great. And that and that's where I like to take my people. Yeah, you know, we can go to the hospitality rooms, the brewery taps. That's fine, but just to be sitting there drinking a Duval uh, next to these off-duty uh, brew guys, bottling line guys, yeah, with a little dog cool. running around. That that's that says it all right there. Yeah, that's like uh, I don't know. That's like hanging out. At that place. At that place. <laughs> when Hendrick used to live underneath the uh, the, the, the or when the, Hendrick lived in the brewery. Yeah, when Hendrick lived in the, we got one more beer yet. Oh, we do. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Yeah, Excellent. Case, case yourself. Okay. Tick 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 tick. Yeah. Tick. Well, I was just watching the time because he said that he had something to do, and I'm like, all right. Well, we'll do the big the big uh, Auf Wiedersehen, Auf Wiedersehen, as they say in Deutschland. The uh, one of the you know Deutschland shares. Uh, Less of a border with uh, Belgium than does Luxembourg. Mm. Did you know that? I did not know that. I became so learned. Uh, you took a geography class. No, I was reading the Wikipedia pages you printed out. Oh, yeah, which turned out to be not the pages I was really looking for. Really? You yeah, were looking no, I, for Belgium doesn't exist. No, yeah, I printed that. I also printed the the uh, our friend uh, Jeff, which looks like Geoff. Uh, Some people do that. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. Well, it's just a different spelling. But anyway, I was going to read some of the stuff that he wrote. But I'm still impressed by this Waffles picture. <laughs> Seriously. That, that, you know, it's sort of like uh, Brussels' version of the sourdough uh, bowl of chowder oh, here in the city. Okay. <laughs> yeah, now it's I'm, good, though. Now I'm, I'm putting on. it in perspective, I'm though. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you've ruined it. It's really good, though. <laughs> you know, the... the the beer, or excuse me, the uh, the chowder in the in the in the sourdough. Uh huh. I've had it and it's pretty good, right? Uh-huh. But after eating it, I'd rather just have the clam chowder in a bowl by yeah. itself and and this and the sourdough off on the side. I had I had a good it's fr- less of a mess. I had a good friend with his his. Uh, I think she was still girlfriend at the time out here, and I liked them so much that I actually went to Fisherman's Wharf with them. Wow. And not Pier 39, but we went to Fisherman's Wharf and we had, you know, clam chowder in the bread bowl. Yeah. And I told her, you know, actually in the morning, every morning, I have my product 19 in a sourdough bowl, too, because that's what we use for bowls here in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, she, and her response was, how do you keep the milk in? <laughs> right? No, she knew I was kidding. Okay. <laughs> but I know, I know people that would go, Really? Really? How do you I, keep the milk? Then I cut it in half milk, make melted cheese sandwiches that are extra milky for, for lunch. Nice. That's dead. Everybody's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on to our final beer now. So this looks like... Affingham. Affingham. Affligham, yeah. Affligham Blonde. This is one of my uh, favorite uh, Belgian beers because it's... Um, this has got weapons on the front of it. It's uh, as it should. No, it uh, 
this is a really nice, clean-tasting blonde ale. And this is made by Affigam, which is uh, a subsidiary of Heineken. And um, this this is viewed by some camera purists as a you know big corporate beer, which it is. Okay. But having said so the that, label looks the label looks like unlike the other three beers we've had. This is a, a very marketing looking. Right. Uh, it's made out of uh, shiny, shiny. It's got foil on it. Uh, the the font size is much smaller for the words. That's how you can tell. But ha- having said it's a big corporate beer, okay. I'd like to also point out that it's it's a it's a beer that uh, is is run by the African Brewing Company and Heineken. I think kind of lets them do their thing. They've mm-hmm. maintained good quality control. They've got great recipes. And what Heineken allows them to do is have uh, marketing, as you pointed out, but a, a distribution arm too. Right. And like this twelve ounce bottle of beer is less than two dollars, which is really great for a. For a Belgian, that is, and so, uh, and this is a great entry level beer too for someone who just wants to have a nice Belgian blonde ale. You get the the Belgian yeast; uh, it doesn't blow you away. This goes great with food, uh, price well. It's got a big, I, I like it. It's got a hint of a sour beginning, and then it goes way clean. Mm-hmm. Quite good. They make a double and a triple as well. And it comes in uh, 750 milliliter bottles. That's even better. Yeah. So I don't know why that's better, but <laughs> it's heavier. It's heavier. Yeah. Might it, travel. Might travel better. You're not wasting bottle caps because the bottle cap is the same size, but it's holding the top on a much bigger beer. Well, Perfect. the big beers there's are. The best, <laughs> there's the best explanation of why you should get the 750s. Every time, because You're, bottle caps do not grow on trees, young man. Well, the 750s actually are co- they're cork finished motor. <laughs> they don't have caps. Usually, Damn. sometimes they have a cork and a cap. You'll I'm see not always sometimes. right. <laughs> we get our facts <laughs> wrong sometimes. They always and the kids will always tell us. No, it's not getting our. In my case, it's my lies are caught and pointed out. <laughs> now I, I've noticed the whole like time the, we like the why the unicorn meat isn't very good. Yeah, yeah. The whole time, whole time we've been here doing this show, we've had no listeners call in, and why? Why is uh, that? It's not a live show. Oh, I know that, but <laughs> it'd be kind of fun if it were. Well, what's, what's the number here? I'll dial it. There's, oh, there's somebody from Dusseldorf. Go ahead, Dusseldorf. Yeah, Dusseldorf, you're on the air. A uh, long time caller, long time, short time listener. <laughs> Hello, this is uh, Joost from Liège. Uh, I was wondering the other night, I go down to the bar and they pour me beer in wrong glass. Uh, very, very sad, but I love listening to you, John and Motor. And word out to Stu. <laughs> what was your name again, caller? Luge. Luge. I think it's what I said. Okay, yeah. Luge. Uh, yeah. spelled H-U-G-O. Well, I'm sorry to hear they put the beer in the wrong glass. You never like to hear that. But uh, my advice is, is give them a second chance and um, and just try to let it go. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough of that game. Hey, John, where's, where's my whistle? Oh, it's behind. The, it's behind the thing. No, I didn't. When we had when we had our uh, when we had our reunion show, uh, Rosie the intern gave me one of those morning show whistles. Is go. Whoop, whoop. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. The John morning, really didn't like that. The morning zoom. Like, <laughs> it was funny for. It's like having a twelve. Year, it's right. Like having yeah. a twelve-year-old as your assistant. That's that's yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I felt ganged up on that day. 
Well, guys, I, I want to propose a toast uh, oh. to uh, you and your show and all this great education you're providing planet Earth. Thank you. Thank you, Cheers. Stu. Cheers. Yeah, appreciate it. And I, and, uh, I know you guys got to wrap up with me here at some point, but I want to, before I, that happens, I want to say thanks for having me. And oh, I appreciate Lord. that. Thank we, you. Um, we're uh, fans of beer, and we want to see that people who are uh, have jobs that involve comedy and beer get a chance to expand well, and I, make I, us I, jealous. And I appreciate make that. Us jealous because we have a show about well, beer, and a lot of people are like, "Dude, you have a show about beer." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "That's great." I'm like, "Maybe what we should do sometime <laughs> is like the special John and Motor Tour." And it would just be all your listeners. So like we'd right. all meet in Brussels and put, you know, yeah, 15, we, we 15 could, uh, 20 people on a bus. We could, you know, it's going to take us about nine months or so to, to build that up. You could, <laughs> you could podcast, you know, from yeah. the coach and from cafes. Wouldn't that from be incredible? Cafes. Oh, it would be a great time. Oh, my God. Yeah, could you imagine? Okay, so here it is. Uh, start, this is your homework, because we always have homework on the show. Put together, put, no, put us. Put, put 20 bucks it's going to take more than 20 bucks, though. Put <laughs> Go out and buy a U.S. savings bond. Did you hate that when you got, like, a $50 savings bond? Yeah. Like, you realized there was, like, $13. Yeah. Why isn't this $50? Well, you have to save it for, you know, 50 years. Uh, your your uh, homework is? Your homework is to start saving money for uh, beer school Belgium. Or just sign up for a new credit card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, that's what credit cards are for right there. Yeah. So whoever needs a new uh, social security number and a new identity, uh, I'm sure that you can buy one on the internet somewhere. No, the idea is that that would be a really fun tour to do, but everybody would have to start saving now. Well, have you right. announced your new right. uh, your new podcast yet? Which one? This Week in Wire Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I, I got to tell you a funny story. One time I met this Canadian couple in uh, Brussels, and they were doing a beer tour. And I got talking to them, and uh turns out they had got a home equity line of credit on their house to go to Belgium. Wow. Yeah. Which just goes to show, you know, you, you only live once, so just yes. go, go big. You don't actually own the house, but the house will... Buy you the trip. To That's right. Another country. <laughs> Creative financing. And can I can I pitch anybody who's thinking of taking one of your tours? Look into flying into Frankfurt and spending your first couple of nights in Cologne and Cologne and Dusseldorf for about half an hour apart mm-hmm. and get acclimated with the German beers and then take the train over to Brussels or wherever you need to. I assume you start in Brussels or typically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, figure that, or you can come in from London. Uh, it's relatively – it may seem intimidating, but it's relatively easy to get off the plane in London, get into town, get straight on the train and go to Brussels. Yes. And uh, either at the beginning or the end of your trip, you can spend a couple of days in London, although it's painfully expensive to stay in London. Right. Um and that gives you a place to start or end where they actually speak uh, some variation of American and that's one of the that's one of the reasons why I don't do the airfare as part of my tour because people like to come over early and they'll go to London or Paris or Amsterdam or uh Czech Republic and then they'll join my beer tour for ten days and then go home or they'll come in for a couple of days uh, acclimate to the time zone, join my tour, and then go over to Poland for a few days or whatever so as long as you've purchased a ticket to go to Europe and you got the time off and you're acclimated to the time zone. You may as well hang out and right you now. Also, uh, you can fly 
uh, it's easy to go into the, to Paris, uh, to Charles de Gaulle or whatever it's called now. Right. And, um, you can get on a train at the airport there and go straight to the train station in Brussels. Yeah. Um, there's almost, it's almost no time at all to take the train from Paris to, to Brussels. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Amsterdam south to Brussels. And you don't have to have your plane or train tickets before you leave the United States. Right. Uh, if you're going to buy like a, uh, you know, your rail pass, then buy it before you go because they're cheaper. But besides that, you can get cheap uh, uh, inter-Europe flights and train tickets, and you can yeah. just go crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very doable, very user-friendly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so fun. you guys are fun. <laughs> Seriously, I, I think I think they'd be great to have you on a tour. Hey, you want to hear the world's funniest knock knock joke? Okay, lay it on me. All right, you start. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That that's like the uh, the interrupting cow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that joke always works on the eight year olds. Yeah, and I love that one. Interrupting that joke. What, like, what's the interrupting cow? What you don't know the interrupting. No, I don't know the interrupting you know, cow. You don't know the interrupting cow. No. I'll do it. Ready? All right, go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Moo. <laughs> oh, the old like chestnuts that. are the best I like ones. That. <laughs> I like that. I could have used that last week. <laughs> uh, you guys are too much fun. Yeah. Uh, no, we have to really do give homework because, like, saving money for a fake trip to Belgium is. No, it might happen. Okay, we. Here's. here's uh, how, okay. about, how about let this? Me, how, about, how about just applying for a credit card to there put it go. on? <laughs> Let me tell you, for me, uh, somebody sent me a picture of the signal control room in Ashford, England, for the uh, for High Speed One, which has now been rebranded. Anybody who can top that? Yeah, we'll have the link to this one work. Uh, no, no, seriously, I'm you know once again, uh, the homework is going to be beer, and that is is that there's all these Belgian beers that you probably haven't right. paid attention to because you don't know what they are. Yep. And we did we did this in the in the one on one show. We said here's some things that you should try, like Hoogarden and Duval and Oval mm-hmm. and you know those right. those beers. Seek out something that's not one of those. Okay. Find something like the four beers that we had, which once again, I'm gonna say this about the um, this country's beer labels is that they aren't like the united states beer labels they don't they're not like this uh flying dog thing which is you know pretty art and beautiful label and this whole idea that it has to that it that it's going to be appealing these things look like they're 60 years old Mm -hmm. you know the the uh the pop rings uh hummel ale this this is a very plain yellow and green hop label there's nothing appealing about this label other than the fact that it says product of belgium on the top the uh the Aflagem, uh uh you know it's got like i said it's got weapons on the front it's got a it's a gold silver you know shiny label and i might pass this beer up well, I go back to that, and I forget what the beer is, but that one beer that we had, the German one with the label that you just looked at and go, this is a German beer. Yeah. It's like a black label. It's black, red, and white, yeah. and it's like got some like yeah. symbol on it and whatever. It's, yeah. And it, sort of a short, stubby bottle. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah, that's a, that's obviously German graphic design. But anyway, so <clears throat> from an American point of view, 
None of these labels are appealing to me. I wouldn't buy one of these beers on a whim. And maybe there's something to that. Can I issue some homework? Yeah. Uh, Take go, my tour. Go to your... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right now. If, if 10 people can sign up right now, we're going in five days. <laughs> well, that, well that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that that is the truth of the matter. But uh, <laughs> I, it's a little short notice for the uh, Duvels, Quacks, Drox, and Great Zythos tour. But heck, yes. yeah, if somebody is out there and they have like a family of eight, call yeah, call me up and we'll go. <laughs> but, by the dozen. But... Uh, my homework is going to be uh, go to your uh, local specialty beer store, and if you're in the Bay Area, that would be City Beer or City beer. Ledgers in Ledgers. East Bay. Ledgers is awesome. Talk yeah. to Ed. Yeah. He's got some stuff in the back that nobody knows about. And they have a shopping cart at Ledgers. That's what one thing. I, they have like a little mini-sized shopping nice. cart. That's nice. You can like push around. Um, if, if you're not close to Bay Area, you might be a place where they have uh, beverages and more, or Trader Joe's even has some. Yeah. But uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. And if you're in uh, Seattle, Bottle Works. Yeah, Bottle Works. And uh, also, I want to promote, uh, this This is great, 99 Bottles in Federal Way, Washington. Awesome beer store. Uh, young couple, uh, Craig and Tiffany Adamowski, opened this up about a year ago. Uh-huh. Incredible beer store. What yeah. the people Fe- named Federal Way? Federal Way, Washington. Exit 142B off of I-5. <laughs> what yes. is it about people named Craig? I don't know. Uh, That's well, the second Craig that we knew. I- I'm going to be doing a Belgian beer appreciation cl- class there at their place, too, in uh, April. And I have one here at La Trappe uh, in San Francisco in April, too. <coughs> cool. But you, you can look at the website, BelgianBeerMe.com, and get all that. But back to the homework. Uh, so go to your specialty beer store, get an empty six-pack, and pick out six uh, 12-ounce Belgians. And um, uh, don't you can go eeny meeny miny if you want. You can, but I'm going to advise you don't don't start looking at whether it's a two dollar bottle or a five dollar bottle. Just get it. Just get it. You'll have fun. Uh, try to mix it up. Get yourself a double. Get yourself a triple. Try a farmhouse ale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, try a fruit lambic. And um, uh, have your friends over. Don't right. try to do the six-pack by yourself. Try a blonde. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah. yeah if you're Don't sure. just pop in the latest Family Guy and start <laughs> popping out your Family Guy DVD and start popping Belgian beers on the couch. Bad. Bad form. <laughs> and my other, my other part of the homework is, is if you are already a, a Belgian beer enthusiast, uh, uh, turn a friend or two onto it. There you go. That's great homework. Have them over for dinner and uh, get a big 750-milliliter bottle of something and uh, share it over some mussels or uh, some pomp frites, uh, yeah, or... Uh, waffles. Waffles, yes, yeah, exactly. waffles. <laughs> the morning after beer. That's there Duval. Yeah. Duval is the morning after beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> my friend Podge from England, one of his favorite sayings is, is the West Mall Triple voted the best beer after one in the morning. <laughs> Podge, if you're out there, hello. Yes, uh, send, send a link to, to Mr. Podge and uh, Mrs. Podge. And uh, if they ever make it out this way, they will uh, be on the show. Yeah. Hey, also, you know... Because uh, we'll take anybody on the show. If you've listened to some of our episodes... My uh, <laughs> my tour to Zythos, we didn't have enough people to do it this year. However, my friend Podge, who also runs a travel company out of England, is doing a Zythos tour that's going to be leaving uh, shortly. And uh, you can find out uh, more about, about Podge by Googling him and... Uh, there's a great Belgian beer website called uh, Babel Belt. 
Uh-huh. And uh, you can find a, a link to Podge's phone number and stuff there, too. He doesn't have a website right now, but he's got a tour going. He's got a coach that's leaving from England. If you're in England or anywhere in the United Kingdom, hop aboard. It's going to be a magical mystery P-O-D-G-E? Tour. P-O-D-G-E, Podge. He's a great guy, uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys I know on uh, on beer, but especially Belgian beer. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a great host, so be fun for you. So if you're in the U.K., yeah, get on that bus. Yeah. Or you could also, I mean, we've got people all over the world listening to this. Right. Maybe one in some parts of the world. But um, they could just meet you there in Belgium if they live in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah, sure. And do the tour. Oh, absolutely. And they don't have to worry about all the airfare. Exactly. Yeah. Good, good point. Nice point. You know, Grow some hair and cover it up. Yeah, exactly. We still don't know where that quote came from. <laughs> Maybe I made it up 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to hire Motor as my, my manager here. He's Just great. punch it up, punch up the material. He's great. <laughs> All right, before we go, we have, uh, you have to tell us your favorite joke. Oh, my favorite joke. No, the one, that, the one joke that you – every comedian has a joke that they love to tell. We already did it, Interrupting Cow. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. What's, the best part, what's the best part of the date? Slamming the trunk and watching the car roll into the lake. <laughs> that's a little bit. That's that's a little bit uh, edgy. <laughs> On a dark note, there. Slamming yeah. the trunk and watching the car roll into the lake. Uh, I but, couldn't get laid in a women's prison with a fistful of pardons. <laughs> Did you ever work with Larry Bubbles Brown? He was a very... Oh, sure. Sure, yeah. The Bubs? Those yeah. are Bubs jokes. He's an icon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you bet. You bet. A lot, of, a lot of great comics have come out of the Bay Area. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys, it's been a pleasure. I, I, I'm i going to have to make my exit here. I have to... You have a poetry reading to go to. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Jim Lenfesty from Minneapolis, is doing a reading at City Lights. Of course, it will be over by the time you hear this, but... Uh, I hope it went well, Jim, and I'll catch the tail end, and we'll have a cigar and drink a beer or something. And to let you know, tonight, right now, it doesn't matter for anybody else except the three of us, uh, it's Meet the Brewers at SF Brewing, which is half a block from City Lights. Oh, yeah. Which we might be going to after the show if John caves. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to do that. Uh, All right, well, we have homework for everybody. You just heard it. Uh, we've had a great guest, Stu Stewart from BelgianBeerMe.com. And uh, Motor, thanks again for showing up. Oh, you're welcome. You had to walk in the rain to get here. I know. It was funny. Right after you called me and I said, no, I'm going to walk, it started pouring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, see, then we would have got stuck at City Beer. and We would have had a beer there and the show would have been even later. And poetry reading would have been totally missed. Exactly. All right. So, uh, anyway, we only have one last thing to say, and that is... Class dismissed. <laughs> yeah. And the mic keeps going until the button gets pushed in the yeah. other room. But uh, you're more than welcome to run, and thank you very much for. Uh, you're welcome. I hope to God that actually recorded. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, what a cool book. I don't think we could actually repeat that show. But, uh, Some of them cannot be repeated. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them. What's the name of this one going to be? This one's going to be called. Uh, uh, Watch his mind work. No. Beer and Skittles. No, there's a name okay. for it that I was thinking of. Uh, oh, it's Touring Belgium. Oh, okay. That's the name of the show. Touring Belgium? Yeah. Okay, great. Great. I've done that. I've taken a little canal boat in Bruges. 
I spent two nights in the age. There's a picture of Podge on the back there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys will no doubt meet Podge someday. He's a... He's, like I say, he's a really great guy. He's well-known in beer circles. He's a big camera guy. He's on the camera board of investors. And... Uh, What's interesting to me is like, I see a lot of these camera guys in Belgium, and I thought they would sort of like all know each other. Uh huh. They don't. No, no. There's just too many of them. <laughs> there's too many of them. There are. There's I don't know how many thousands and thousands of camera members there are, but uh, this is the one Saint Bernardus. Oh yeah, that's very good. That that's from Watt too as well. Right, but this this is the beer. Every single time I see this, I'm like, okay, so 1950s. Can I? I can it. I? Can I show you one of them? Yeah. The, the one that I looked at for a specific purpose. Oh, because I, I don't know if I've told the story. I know I've told the story offline. Celtic Ireland in Bruges. Okay. <laughs> Celtic Ireland in Bruges. Celtic Ireland in Bruges. That's where I met the little redhead girl. Oh. The one that got away? The one that got away. Yes. All right, little redhead girl. <laughs> if you're Not the one in the trunk, show, right? She's got to be She's got to be at least 20... By now. <laughs> she really was the little redhead girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> steamy, steamy, hot. She was She's a 20. cheerleader. She was, and, and you've seen the photo. I've seen the photo. Cheerleader from UNC on, on spring break. Oh, w- which town was this? Bruges. Oh, wow. <laughs> at, the du- at, the, at the Celtic pub. You, you know that the kids are going to want to see that photo now. I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, kids, kids. Ima- imagine, hey. imagine the cutest redhead you've ever seen and double it. Wow. Hey, kid, start imagining. Cool, Stu. I'm going to steal all your plans to do a German beer tour. <laughs> there you go. There's enough. 